Hello and welcome to episode 210 of the In Focus podcast. I am your irregular host, Andrew Brown, and the good times are killing me. <laughs> we are joined by our regular co-host this week, Sylvia Wassenaar. Howdy, howdy, howdy. And Rosalie, the little record girl. Hello. We just have new releases this week, so let's go ahead and get right to those. Now, Rosalie got a review code from the publisher for Pac-Man World Repack. Rosalie, go ahead and tell us about that. It's Pac-Man. It's a remake of a PlayStation 1 game that came out in 1999 and it was released originally for the 20th anniversary. My experience with Pac-Man is kind of limited, but I imagine quite similar to a lot of people's where I've played it, you know, different versions here and there, or maybe played the arcade version, I can't remember. Uh, my main kind of thing with it is that my mum had a bootleg handheld called Munchman from the 80s that still works. Um, and that's what I thought just Pac-Man was. But it turns out, nope, that was fake. I don't remember. I don't have much memories with the original. Um, but I remember it being on a PlayStation 1 demo disc back in the day. So I think I've had, like, I think I've played a tiny bit of it. But basically the premise is because the original was the 20th anniversary. It's Pac-Man's birthday. But the ghosts, um, I've captured all his family by orders of this big evil robot that is just a robotic Pac-Man, because of course it is, called Talkman. They capture all his family. We have the really unimaginative ma- names of Pac-Sis, Pac-Boy, Professor Pac, Pac-Buddy, Puka from the Dig Dog series, because, just because, and uh, Pac-Mom, not Mrs. Pac-Man, because if anyone doesn't know, there's like a huge thing with Bandai Namco and alt games and alt games own Mrs. Pac-Man so you can't they can't use Mrs. Pac-Man anymore uh, so she looks different she's got like a sun hat now instead of a bow <laughs> it's very weird it's a 90s platformer the themes are kind of very representative of the time so you've got like a pirate area a space one a factory a kind of clown funhouse one and a mansion spooky place one because of course there's ghosts so you gotta have a spooky mansion in there so yeah every area you got like four stages and the fourth one is the boss of that stage and then the last area the the boss stage is the the final boss there's a lot of kind of back and forth because you basically collect a bit of fruit and then you have to backtrack to open a door that has the fruit on it and sometimes it was it's been easier just to die because then you respawn at a checkpoint right in front of a door that you need to go to (laughs) which is a bit meh but the doors are you can also find letters that spell out pac-man and which was like an old school collectible back in the day like you had that in donkey Kong country where you picked out the letters the cooler addition to this is that you can find galaga icons if you that unlocks a door where you get the kind of the maze level which is basically like what pac-man was so you get like a pac-man stage where you get you know the drop down view and it's just Pac-Man, but each one is based off of whatever area you're in. The controls for this are really similar to Sonic Adventure, which is weird. Um, I don't know which came out first. I think this I think maybe it was the same year, actually. Uh, Pac-Man, you can throw dots at enemies. You can do this butt bounce, which is kind of similar to Sonic's like homing attack, but it's not as good because it kind of goes at an angle, so you, you will die a lot. You can hold uh, the X button that does this kind of charged up run thing. And there's sometimes a line of dots where you can kind of attach yourself to and Pac-Man will follow it, which is also, again, similar to Sonic's like ring thing that he does in Sonic Adventure 2. Uh, and sometimes you find this really big dot 
and like in the original Pac-Man, it turns you into a big Pac-Man and all the ghosts go blue and you can eat them, <laughs> which is actually kind of fun because um, it happens kind of ra- like in certain areas in each um, stage. Yeah, so you've also got the Galaga, the Galaga keys where you get the actual like old school Pac-Man and then weirdly because I think they maybe ran out of pack things to do the Galaga thing is also a boss so one of the bosses is actually like a Galaga stage with all the music and but you're like Pac-Man in a little like spaceship and you're shooting at them which is again probably because he ran out of Pac-Man things but I thought it was kind of cool because I like Galaga because I used to play at the start of Tekken and I'm a big Tekken fan. Because again it's Pac-Man and they're limited to what to draw off all the audio design and music is well from Pac-Man but a lot of the area music is just kind of based off the jingle so there'll be like one area that is just do 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 but like on a loop (laughs) but I mean you don't really have a lot to go off of when you're drawing inspiration to make like a more expansive pac-man game so fair and it's again it's a remake of a game from the 90s so kind of fair dues uh there's a little hub world because that was all the range for platformers in the 90s but pretty basic it's just like a beach with a long line and the levels are kind of there but again 90s game limited space maybe for a remake they could have made it a bit more kind of expansive or make a bit more sense world building wise because the stages are just kind of there so, which make you know it's like oh okay the coolest part about the remake is that it looks really lovely it's really bright it's really colorful it, i didn't have any frame rate issues any latency any lag it was just it played really really well there's actually a performance mode which i always appreciate in games now because that usually is the better option it's just a 90s platformer you kind of there was maybe cooler ones by 1999 and maybe now, I think the Switch one on our Amazon is like £40. And for that, I would maybe suggest you go play like Kirby. <laughs> or if you can find Mario Odyssey at that price. I think on Steam it's a lot cheaper. But if you're a hardcore Pac-Man fan, and I'm pretty sure there must be some because there's a lot of Pac-Man stuff, then it's for you. If you like the original and you're a bit nostalgic about it, go for it. Uh, and it was really cool to play because I think it's been mentioned before that I am on a very limited budget and it's maybe not something I would have played otherwise without the codes. It's just a very nice platformer that can be finished in about four to five hours. And that's a 2D platformer, right? Or at so least it looks like one? Yeah, it's 3D, but it's mostly um, like side-scrolling. It's side-scrolling. Yeah. The yeah. Only, there's like an issue with it that kind of comes up where I think the original you only had like an eight-way direction so this is the first time they've added like the full kind of control scheme but the levels are still it's one of those games where it's side scrolly but you can fall off the edge like towards you and behind it which really annoy me because <laughs> I, I always just think oh that's safe because it's a side scroller and it's like nope you can fall off and sometimes it's really hard to kind of differentiate what you can and can't fall off of but yeah it's just a nice remake there's nothing to horrendous about it or anything or not too ridiculously amazing about it either it's just kind of there it's all right (laughs) are any of you hardcore pac-man fans (laughs) sadly no (laughs) in the sense that when pac-man has arms and legs i'm disturbed and i don't (laughs) want to play it (laughs) yeah it's kind of it's weird the amount of pac-man stuff that exists there's like those are tv shows and all sorts and i'm like Pac-Man's a big thing like when it's not the old one that's weird but I guess it's 
there must be somebody that's really, really, really into like modern Pac-Man. Like modern Sonic, there will be. Presumably, I don't know who they are, but they must yeah. be out there. You can get Pac-Man Tamagotchis now and stuff, so. <laughs> and the big release is Bayonetta 3, which myself and Sylvie have both been playing. I was surprised to find out that this is a multiverse game. <laughs> Did you have a, a reaction to that, Sylvie, or were you just like, okay? Um, I didn't know before going in, but as soon as... You did or didn't? Didn't. But as soon as okay. it happened, I'm like, why is everything a multiverse thing these days? <laughs> because it was the style at the time. <laughs> the zeitgeist. Yeah, but th- that's how uh, that first trailer they put out back in 2017 now. It's been quite some time. Uh, but that first trailer where Bayonetta dies, that's how that works. You see Bayonetta die a lot in this game because it's a multiverse story. (laughs) You do play as one Bayonetta traveling between the different multiverses, but she meets several other Bayonettas, all of whom die in horrible ways. So be prepared for that first off going in. (laughs) What's your reaction to the story so far? I know you haven't finished it yet, but are you enjoying it? Do you have any misgivings about it yet? I am completely indifferent. I don't hate it. I don't love it. It's there. I never play Bayonetta for the story, really, more for the style and gameplay. That's true, yeah. I will say that the whole multiverse thing does allow for some really interesting exploration of different Bayonetta styles. Like, I'm really fond of the the Japanese one. Yeah, like, that's the whole thing, is it's multiverse Bayonetta, but they're also national for some reason. So you go to a different multiverse, and, like, there's... French Bayonetta, and there's Egyptian Bayonetta, and Japanese Bayonetta, and Chinese Bayonetta, which is fine, but why are we making our different multiverse Bayonetta examples so provincial? (laughs) I think it would be a lot more interesting if we looked at, you know, the same Bayonetta from the same basic area and see how they're different. This just seems more like an excuse to stick Bayonetta in different costumes. I mean, if you know Bayonetta, that makes total sense, I reckon. The costumes aren't, like, stereotypes or anything, are they? Mm. Oh. <laughs> no, I wouldn't I wouldn't say stereotype to the degree where it's like, oh no, but it is okay. very reflective of the culture in some regard. Like, it's not... Bayonetta isn't in a kimono. <laughs> right, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Japanese Bayonetta is just like, she's an anime girl. And she's and her weapon set lets her roll around and rollerblades. And I like it because it reminds me of Jet Set Radio, which I've mentioned several times in this podcast. Now, of course, there have been changes to the combat. I think that's expected because you know it's a new Bayonetta game, and it would be a little un- uninteresting if it was just the exact same game as it was before. There were differences between Bayonetta one and two, as I described in the last episode. Not to the extent that the game has been changed here, though. This game is superficially the same in in terms of the controls. Like, you still have your one button that controls Bayonetta's punches, one button that controls her kicks, and you can hold them down to extend the attack, and if it's like a gun, she'll keep firing, or if it's like the yo-yo weapon she gets in Japan, she'll keep spinning the yo-yo around which turns into like a, a spinning blade weapon. Kind of interesting but that stuff still works the same but 
there have been dramatic changes to uh, where, where the combat focuses are. Uh, starting with demonic enslavement. This didn't even occur to me until after I had finished the game and I started doing reading on it. Apparently, this is pretty heavily inspired by Astral Chain, which I did not play, so I did not make the connection to that right away. But uh, Bayonetta now can directly control her demons in combat by holding down the left trigger, and that'll summon a giant demon around, and you can stomp around with it and punch things with it with super heavy demon attacks and like there are quite a variety of different demons you can unlock to use in combat and while you're stomping around this demon bayonetta is actually still on the battlefield doing this dance to control the demon and she's still vulnerable to enemy attacks while that is happening so you have to kind of watch out for her while the demon's running around doing its thing what would you feel about this feature sylvie it took a bit of getting used to to actually use it in battles. Um, mm-hmm. Like, when it first showed up, I was like, I don't want to do this. I just want to <laughs> play Bayonetta like I used to. <laughs> yeah, but it does feel like some of the fights are geared around utilizing it. Just There's a lot of health sponge enemies. Yeah, like pretty much any time you run into a big enemy now, that's your cue that you want to be busting out your, your current demon to take yeah. it on instead. I, I like it, mm-hmm. um, and I like that some of the challenges that you find in the levels kind of take away that crutch, or they make you rely on them, or there's those spots that have like unlimited magic, so it's like a puzzle to be solved mm. to find an item. So it feels yeah. well incorporated. Yeah, it's well thought out. It's implemented well, and like once I got used to how the game wanted me to do it, even though I wasn't particularly interested, I did start... <laughs> applying it you know well yeah but i wanted to keep doing you know which time into a long combo with a big finisher whereas now in, in many fights what the game wants you to do is which time and then switch into your demonic enslavement and just knock the heck out of enemies with your demon for a little while until it's no longer safe for you to do that. And the other big change is in weapon loadouts. Uh, one really interesting thing you could do in Bayonetta 1 and 2 is you could equip different weapons to Bayonetta's hands and to her legs. You can't do that anymore. Now it's one weapon has one like one loadout that applies to both her hands and to her feet. I, I have mixed feelings about this because it does create... A more distinct loadout they can do uh, more unique things with each one because they don't have to make everything so modular but at the same time because it's not modular anymore you can't create quite the interesting things that you could before like if i wanted to before to have shotguns in bayonetta's main hands and have the chainsaws on her feet so she could have the skating ability then i could do that but now in bayonetta 3 if i want Bayonetta's skating movement ability, I have to use the yo-yos, which is kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, I actually also keep getting myself confused because each of these demons also has like a unique traversal thing, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. double jumps and swinging and um, like a rocket jump sort of thing. And that's tied to the weapon. It's not tied to the demon that you have equipped, despite the fact that it's the demon doing the traversal thing. So I keep messing it up and swapping the <laughs> demon rather than... Yeah, like, 
when you're using Bayonetta's pistols, like her standard weapon, then she can turn into like a, her Madama Butterfly, Madama Butterfly form, which gives her a limited hovering, and she can she can move pretty fast with it as well. But like with the yo-yos that I keep mentioning, she turns into a spider who can swing once Spider-Man style, and then do a second double jump, and can also climb up and down walls. Now, platforming has never been the Bayonetta series' strength, but the levels have never really been broad enough that it's really affected it that much. That is another thing that's very different in Bayonetta 3. Levels are quite big now. They each take upwards of 40 minutes to finish, and there's lots of things hidden in them. There's lots of places where yet you do have to do quite a bit of platforming, and I really did not feel that the game's jumping controls, especially with these uh, different transformations, was really up to snuff i was often quite annoyed when i had to do some precision platforming because the game i felt was just not capable of it yeah um bayonet is very slidey those platforms (laughs) the blue ones that you know if you hit the ground they will disappear yeah i don't know how to really explain it but i feel like the graphics aren't quite there to really imply good depth perception for this as well Hmm, hmm. the graphics aren't bad but things like depth of field i mean bayonetta does have a thing where she's got like a little marker on the ground where she's going to land after a jump but -hmm. i feel like that's not quite enough it's hard to jump move the camera to where you need to you know get the closest thing to depth perception and everything it's too much to do at once, and I, I really struggled, especially in the Egypt section of the game. There was one that just With the quicksand. The not that one. There was another one where there was like it felt like twenty different platforms, and all going up and down, or left and right, and you had to collect the five pieces to make the chest. And I just struggled to stay on the platforms. Yeah, I found, like, the less that I tried to do, the better I did. Like, try to avoid using the demonic masquerade forms, and those challenges are actually quite a bit easier. Yeah, I ended up switching to Madama Butterfly just because of the slow fall. Mm -hmm. So it gives you an extra, you know, couple of seconds of tidying up a jump, and that helped. Yeah, I ended up using the pistols through most of the game just so I could have the Madama Butterfly form to move around in, because it was the least troublesome form to move around in. There were a few other times where, like, the game makes you use another form to do certain things, but other than that, I just used the most boring vanilla movement form I could just to keep the game <laughs> manageable. <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, but you're talking about the chests. There are a lot of chests now, and I got really tired of having to beat the hell out of these things to open them. Yep. I like, I didn't think about that too much in Bayonetta 1 and 2 because A, there aren't that many chests, and B, you do one combo on them, they open. The end. I was so tired of beating on chests by the time I finished <laughs> this game because they take so freaking long to open. And, like, and the one that Sylvie described where you, you beat on the chest and it breaks into a bunch of smaller pieces that you have to run around the level to collect. 
those sometimes you have to do multiple times. <laughs> yeah, and that makes yeah. it plays that cutscene where it shows you where all the pieces are every and time. It makes you watch it every time, and Can't it's very it. slow. Can you don't skip it. <laughs> nope. Nope. Oh no. <laughs> Uh, and then another thing that you can do that's new uh, is there were the Umbran Tears of Blood in the first two games, but they were just carried by birds that were hidden in the levels, and you just had to chase them down and touch them. It was usually pretty easy. Uh, the, they've really expanded on this idea in this game. There are three Umbran Tears of Blood in every level now, and there's one that's carried by a frog that is hidden and croaks the closer you are to it. And then there's one that's carried by a cat that's usually running around in a little obstacle course, and you have to chase after it and touch it. And then, then the, the birds are back, and they follow like a, a preset path before flying away now. And if you can gather all three of them, then you actually unlock a bonus version of the level that has another challenge you can do that usually gets you like a, a, a hit point expansion or something. I thought this was a really nice expansion of ideas from the older games and gave a lot more life to the levels and, you know, a reason to replay them. And then there's the bonus levels to play too, which give a, another challenge, which is optional, but is worth doing because of those upgrades. Have you pursued all the Umbran Tears of Blood, Sylvie, or have you been too annoyed by the movement to bother with them all i haven't finished a level with all three i can tell you that much mm. <laughs> some of them are really notoriously hidden i i finished it on quite a few of them i didn't get them on all but more than half i'm pretty sure i, I found all three of them i'm surprised that you've had a different experience there i'm not going out of my way to find them mm. to be fair it's usually the toads that i don't find now, prominent in the game's marketing has been a new character. Her name is Viola. She's dressed kind of like a, a 90s riot girl punk rocker. <laughs> uh, she, she's not an unappealing character. She's uh, as anachronistic as Bayonetta is, really. But <laughs> uh, she's the second player character, which I don't, I don't think will be too surprising to anybody. I kind of expected that as soon as I saw her. Oh, we'll be playing as her at some point. And you do spend some levels playing as Viola, and she has her own weapon moveset. She doesn't have as much variety as Bayonetta has, but she has a, a giant two-handed... I'm going to say the wrong words. So A, a giant samurai sword. Uh, I don't katana. know enough about... A katana. There we go. There go. I sh that's a word I should know. It's, it's, <laughs> I think if it's two hands, it's a dai katana. Ah. Oh, I thought... Romero made that word up. It's 4.30 in the morning. I don't know words don't right know. now. <laughs> and because Viola has her own weapon, she has her own like abilities as well, including she can use Witch Time but uh, versus Bayonetta, who activates it by dodging an ability at the last second. Viola activates it by blocking a move at the last second. And uh, as Sylvie will know, because I complained about it in our Slack several times, and on Twitter as well, I could not do it. <laughs> and I, I just found the rest of her moveset unappealing in general. She just never felt powerful to me. I, I often felt like when I did successfully activate Witch Time with Viola, and I was like, good, now I can finally do some real damage to something. Half my attacks didn't connect because Viola has a real range problem that I never really experienced with Bayonetta. 
I just grew to the point where I resented any time I was required to play as Fiola, which is really unfortunate. I didn't want to dislike this character, but the game just made every moment where I was playing with her just made me dread it. How, how have you been feeling about Viola, Sylvie? I haven't had nearly as much trouble as you have, it seems. Mm-hmm. That sounds snarky, but... <laughs> I didn't have a problem with the Umber and Tears of Blood, so, you know, different experiences <laughs> on both sides. <laughs> True. Um, I definitely feel like it's a different timing. The hardest part is switching the muscle memory. Because it's ZR for yeah. Bayonetta, and then it's just R for viola and that messes me up sometimes i complained about that until i went into the options menu and you can actually change viola's control set independently of bayonetta which is great and her control set her control set d just switches the zr and the r buttons that's all it does oh then (laughs) no problem yeah (laughs) but i i did complain about that like that was the first thing i thought when i played as viola is why is witch time with Viola on R and with Bayonetta on ZR? Why did you do that? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I will say that the um, there's a challenge that kind of gets you to use her thing, uh, her witch time, as the only way to deal damage to enemies. Mm-hmm. And uh, that one was tough, but it took me maybe three tries. Took me several more than that to finish it. <laughs> I I wonder what it is. I was playing handheld. If that changes anything, well, I was playing docked the whole time. Okay, so it might be I a latency really thing between. I don't know. I I'm trying to help you out here, but I really don't know what what it is. Is it a case of you not liking blo- blocking? Because I I if a game has blocking in it, I never use it. It depends on the game. Like uh, a- Andy yeah. and I have a long-standing rivalry of Mortal Kombat versus Injustice slash Street Fighter. <laughs> Holding back to block does not make sense to me. My brain can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> but Mortal Kombat, which has a block button, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I prefer a block button. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with Viola where I couldn't do the witch time with her. I could block just fine with her. It's just... Oh, yeah, okay. I, I, I think I just... It's hitting the block as soon as the attack hits. Yeah. And the closer it is, I think the longer it is. Yeah, like I, I could actually activate the witch time pretty consistently, but it's the little the little short ones. Yeah. Because the closer you are now to activating it, or I should say the further away you are from that perfect like witch time window, you can activate a little short one. And with Viola, as I complained about her range, like that little short yeah, one doesn't it's not really enough time to move much. in. Yeah. I looked up the, the battle music for Viola, which absolutely slaps. It's a bop. Um, showing my age with those terms. <laughs> but uh, all of the comments were also complaining about uh, the witch time thing. So you're not alone. Uh... <laughs> I think that just about covers everything like i i finished the game sylvie is still working on it but how are you feeling about it so far sylvie i really like it but Mm. going into each level is like a time investment like you said it takes like 45 minutes for me at least to to beat a a level because i'm exploring i'm trying and failing all of the puzzles and platforming (laughs) yeah it's hard to stay focused for that long for me at least I like it. I really, really, really like it, but it's really hard to get into. 
Yeah, I had that problem too with how long the levels are. I was surprised how long it took me to actually finish the game because like Bayonetta 1, I finished it in two days. Bayonetta 2, I finished it in two days during my replay back in October. In, in this game, my plan was to finish it in two days on opening on launch day and then on the next day. And it took me much longer than that to finish it because the levels are so long. It's a much longer game than the first two games, just for starters. And then the levels are so long that I could really only finish three or four a day. So it took me about four days to finish instead, which really took me by surprise. Yeah, I'm doing like one or two a day and I'm not playing it every day. Hmm. I have a fun time with it, but it is like, you have to put aside a, a fair chunk of time to get through just one level. Well, what I want to know is how much Luca is in it and do you still hate him as much? <laughs> well, they made the bold choice of giving Luca something to do in this game. So oh. there's an actual reason for him to be in the story, amazingly. So oh. he didn't he didn't bother me as much this time around. Wow. I'm, I'm still definitely in the I hate Luca camp. I kept posting <laughs> screenshots on Twitter of like him standing on a by a pool of lava and I'd be like, push him in. <laughs> I really yeah. didn't resent him in this story because he has an actual reason to be in it. He's not just dead air whenever he's on screen anymore. <laughs> Every time he shows up, I forget like, oh, Luca's in this. Yeah. <laughs> Was that Luca in the first cutscene too? In the soldier uh, outfit and saves Viola? From what I understand of the story, because I have been spoiled... Mm-hmm. Possibly. Okay. That, 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 I, I think that's the impression I got. I didn't recognize that character. It's a, he's like this older soldier guy who's with Viola and Bayonetta in the opening cutscene, and stuff happens and he dies. And I thought he was just like some random character who was just, just there. And then I finally was thinking about it later, I was like, was that Luca? Was that one of the Luca variations? I don't know. I didn't care enough to go back and look at the cutscene because uh, <laughs> I think we're getting into my take now, and I actually, I don't like this game at all. Hmm. Bayonetta feels weaker now as a character, like uh, in-game when you're controlling her, because summoning the demons always used to be the capstone to her combo abilities. So you, you do your combo, and then at the very end, she'll summon, like, Madama's fists or one of her other demons, and they'll they'll finish off the combo in a really supercharged finisher. And, like, after you've beaten the boss all the way to the end of its life bar, then you do your climax, and that summons the demon as well, and you do your megaton attack, and then the demon takes out the boss in, like, a, a super, like, amazing cutscene. In this game with the demonic enslavements, your demons are out all the time, and it really feels like Bayonetta is playing sick and fiddle all the time. And it just it was not nearly as much fun playing as her, and I did not feel like she was as powerful as she used to be. And speaking of Bayonetta's power, I said before what made Bayonetta so appealing, even in the first game when I didn't like it, uh, was how much fun she was having and how like joyful a character and how much she was enjoying herself. Without getting too much into spoiler territory, I, re I really don't like the ending of this game because it yeah it ruined Bayonetta. Like I, I hate to use that word because it's such a the the internet has just ruined <laughs> ruined the word ruined. <laughs> but 
the ending of this game just undermines Bayonetta's character because Bayonetta is, to coin another phrase that's been driven into the ground, a strong, confident woman that don't need no man. (laughs) (laughs) And the way that Bayonetta, the way her story ends in this is some nonsense that (laughs) I do not believe at all. It is not the way I believe Bayonetta would act. And that's as much as I can say without getting into spoilers because I I did not believe it for a moment. I was waiting for you to, because when all the reviews came up, they had an embargo, so they couldn't talk about the ending. But a lot of um, LGBTQ plus reviewers that I follow were like really angry so I did look up what it was. I won't say it, obviously. Yeah, interesting choice there. I almost, I just want to say it because I've already said it's a multiverse story, but I don't, don't know. Sylvie's not finished it. Don't spoil no, it. No, I, I know the ending. Oh, okay. right, okay. <laughs> okay. I will say this much then. Bayonetta would go out fighting. Mm. And that's all I'll say. <laughs> uh, the 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 context of that statement I will leave to people to finish the game. I just I really felt this game undermined Bayonetta as a character, and for that reason alone, this is my least favorite Bayonetta game, <laughs> which is unfortunate. I when I finished it, I was like, well, that was really underwhelming. <laughs> After five years of hype for this game finally getting made and coming out. And then this is what we got. Super sad. I'll play Nier Automata soon, and hopefully I'll like it better. But <laughs> like, I was never really a Platinum fan to begin with. Bayonetta 2 was the only Platinum game I actually really liked. And this game is just putting me more back on, oh, yeah, it's another Platinum game. It's like, Platinum, please stop making games where enslaving creatures is a central mechanic. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that that's my take on it. It's undermined Bayonetta's character, and it, the game just isn't as fun to play as the first two games were. So, not a fan. I, I actually I give this game a thumbs down. I like it enough. I'll probably change my mind when I finish it. It sounds like. <laughs> I will say this: the the boss fights are pretty good. Yeah. Um, the boss fights. I, I should have put a bullet point on this. It didn't occur to me just now, but we can just we can end on this note. The boss fights uh, are very different. Uh, because they they start with Bayonetta ripping out her own heart uh, to cast a spell to make the demon like really big, and then it's it's a complete gameplay shift. Actually, only a couple of the bosses are actually fought with Bayonetta. Like, there's one that's like a rhythm music game. You're playing with an opera Ooh. singing frog demon, and like you have to press different buttons to stop these swarms of bugs flying at her. And it plays actually a pretty cool opera song during it. Amazing fight. Uh, and then there's there's a couple, like, full-on kaiju battles, which are unfortunately yeah. just rock... They're just rock, paper, scissors, which I was kind of let down when I realized that was what was happening, is it's just you, you pick the right move of three moves to beat the move that the boss is about to use, but visually still very cool. Yeah, I mean, Bayonetta's always been about the spectacle. Uh, there's a lot of, like, vehicle-esque things as well i i don't want to say motorbike but it's like sliding <laughs> through a city going down the i think it's the great wall of china that's the impression i got 
it looked like the Great Wall of China, but I didn't want to say because I might be wrong. <laughs> and then it said, oh, it's a wall in China. It must be the Great Wall of China. Like, that would be... I don't want to say that. <laughs> well, I just assumed because the, in um, Japan and Tokyo, you're in, you cross the Shibuya uh, Scramble Crossing. So, iconic. Mm-hmm. China, Great Wall of China. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, those are fun. We didn't even mention Jean's little side thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. My bullet points were not great this time. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I, I we already know. did our conclusions, but we can keep talking. That's fine. John <laughs> I mean, does have little side-scrolling stealth levels that are different. <laughs> all I really wanted to say is that her outfit's really cute. That's <laughs> that's all I have. Um, the gameplay is fine, but spectacle too. You brought that up. That's another thing I feel this game takes a big step backwards on is spectacle. Like, there's the big opening sequence where Bayonetta is on a cruise ship fighting the new enemy variety, and there's a flood that makes the wave overwhelm, I think it's New York City, and she's fighting all these enemies on this cruise ship as it is swept through the streets of New York City on this giant wave. Amazing spectacle to start the game out with. And then the rest of the game is just kind of generic destruction. Like, yeah. I really didn't feel I didn't really feel that there was any more set pieces in the game that really lived up to what the first and the second game consistently did. And uh, Bayonetta's torture attacks, they've changed those too. Like most of the time now when you break an enemy's poise to use a Dark Souls reference, uh, you use your torture attack and then Bayonetta or Viola just launches a giant missile. Like, that's what most of the torture attacks are now. I'm on a missile now. Torture attack. What happened to every enemy having a unique torture attack? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's because there's so many different weapons and movesets in the game. I I can't say. Now we're just going in circles and belaboring the point. (laughs) I I thought this game was a letdown. So, anyway. (laughs) That's our take on Bayonetta 3. I think we're done. What are we playing in the coming week? Uh, Rosalie, we'll start with you. It's the Pokemon-themed Splatfest in Splatoon 3, so I'll be playing oh. that. And Team Water, because Water is the best Pokemon type. <laughs> yes. I was going to say, yeah. is it the starter types? Yeah. <laughs> I like, I like, I've always been into Water types. I used to cosplay Misty, like, a, a lot. Like, every version of her I could, so I'm always... Water Pokemon are just the cutest and the cooler ones. That's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> and Sylvie? Uh, I'll be finishing Bayonetta 3 I just started Chapter 9 so hopefully not too far to go And the Splatfest mm. as well Also Team Water because I Only ever picked the water starters Ever since Squirtle I am starting with Quaxley this time but That's just because of his amazing Pompadour <laughs> uh, <laughs> Otherwise I, I'm pretty neutral on which starter i choose but uh i, I picked up harvestella on its new release i might sink some, t- some time into it but I, I really do want to finish a lot of the games that i've started but haven't finished yet so i i i don't know how much time i'm really gonna give to it or, or i might just pick a uh, a short indie game i can finish in a week <laughs> instead we'll see what happens next week 
thanks for listening to this episode of Enfocus. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on iTunes. It really helps us get noticed. You can also listen and subscribe on Stitcher, Spotify, and other podcast services. Make sure to check out our sister shows, PlayState and Power of X. Be sure to join our Discord server to interact with the lively GamePodular community. Follow us on Twitter, YouTube, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Links are in the show notes. If you'd like to support our shows, you can buy us a coffee or become a GamePodular Patreon. The details for both of those are on our website. Thanks in advance. This episode was edited by Andrew. You can follow him on Twitter at PlayCritically and his long-form reviews at PlayCritically.com. Myself on Twitter at Stew2, S-T-W, T-W-O. Or on Twitch.tv forward slash Sylvie Tori. And Rosalie at Lil Record Girl, L-I-L Record Girl.